have your sports curiosity cured. And Ben hustling. Dobson just recovered in time. Stars touch up. Here's Johnston weaving. He gets knocked by Pellick. Shot. Score! Stankoven! Reporting game for over 25 years. On the curl and drag, he'll feed it back. Hammond whiffed on that slapper. Hammond did not get any wood on that. It's two on one Washington. LaPierre feeds. Give it back. LaPierre scores! Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Plays to Kulak. Quickly, Yanmark boots it out. Into the middle of the ice, Nugent Hopkins. Drop pass Brown. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. For Saul, 121, February 28th, another chilly morning as we're getting close to wrapping up the month of February and uh, looking for a high of about minus 8 today and then tomorrow a little milder. But after that, it's kind of back into the, I guess, early March deep freeze, if you want to call it. It's not exactly pleasant for this time of the year, but we've been kind of spoiled. Getting soft around here is what it is. Uh, thanks so much for uh, tuning in to the Kevin Carey Show on your AM radio dial, heading into work or dropping the kids off, etc. on Sports 1440. We're uh, streaming on iHeartRadio. We've got the Tune In app and on Sports 1440.ca. And if you miss any part of the show, of course, you can catch up by searching the Kevin Carey Show on, well, there's many places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, We've even got Amazon. Be sure to uh, subscribe and select the auto download so you never have to miss a second of the show. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate everyone uh, checking in from 7 to 11 in the morning on game day. The Edmonton Oilers home to the St. Louis Blues. And the Oilers won their first game of that five-game homestand and lost the first one in overtime to Boston. So I have a chance tonight against the Blues to get to 2-2-1 two, two, and one on what you would say is a very, very important five-game homestand. The Blues lost last night in Winnipeg by a score of 4-2. to two. So they're on the back-to-back and kind of a, you know, that's a good little jaunt over from Winnipeg, I guess. And when you think about what time the game started and ended in Winnipeg and then uh, to get here. So we'll see exactly what the Blues are. And keep in mind, it's a 6.30 start, well, 6.37 start. So by the time they get things rolling, it'll be a quick turnaround for St. Louis. Also last night, Vegas beat the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score of 6-2. to two. So the Golden Knights are three points ahead of the Oilers now in the standings, and the Oilers have, well, back to three games in hand in the standings. Um, Oilers 9-2-1, their last 12 at Rogers Place. So things kind of humming along, despite a little bit of a blip in the radar in this last 
I guess you could say post-All-Star. We were talking about things creeping in, have crept into the Oilers game, and hopefully they nipped a lot of that uh, against the LA Kings. The Kings, by the way, went to Calgary last night after losing here to the Oilers, and they lose to the Calgary Flames. Uh, same kind of scenario, 4-2, almost a game script similar you know, the power play really hurt the LA Kings on in the uh, last 48 hours. Had that five-on-three against the Oilers. It could not score in the 24 seconds and then also couldn't score on the five-on-four. That was the difference in the game. And then had a couple opportunities. I think 0-for-3 last night against the Flames. But now the LA Kings having a little bit of a, a stumble right now. Uh, Pittsburgh defeated the Vancouver Canucks 4-3 in overtime and also have noted in the Western Conference all of a sudden Nashville kind of rolling along 4-1 over Ottawa so the Predators now with a, a six game winning streak going and Nashville sits tied tied with the LA Kings atop the wild card standings uh, LA does have two games in hand but the six games in a row now for the Nashville Predators how you know Ottawa you think they're just kind of getting things going then they stink two nights in a row they were outshot 19 nothing in the third period 19 nothing in the third period blah Ooh. uh send us text in now one eight three three four zero one. 1440. I don't know what this means. Uh, Brett from Stony Plain, are they in St. Louis, Duke? Is that something that catches your eye? Uh, I'm not sure if Brett's just a little confused here. No, uh, six, 6.30, local time. 6.30, from local Rogers time. From Rogers Place. Come on, Brett. We need you, big bit of guy. A, bit of a uni- Only two games tonight, so I don't know if the yeah. NHL is a little... Uh, I, I mean, hey, they, they saddle us sometimes with, with those late 8 o'clock Wednesday starts on occasion <laughs> when they got some stacked up for uh, Wednesday night hockey, but not the case tonight, so giving everybody a bit of an earlier evening. 6.30 start tonight, and then uh, the other game tonight is Columbus and the New York Rangers. So maybe they're thinking, of, well, okay, so it's 7 o'clock Eastern, 8.30 Eastern, both on, uh, on the big networks down in the States, so uh, this is a game as well. That is the national game. And this is, here we go, Duke. This is a national game in Canada. Wednesday night hockey on Sportsnet. Uh, Harner Ryan Singh will be calling the game with Louis DeBrusque on Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, Harner Ryan gave me a text last night when I was in the rack. We are going to have Harner Ryan on at uh, 10.20 originally, but now everything's sort of moved up as far as the Oilers are concerned with the... Well, the morning skate, game time, yada, yada, yada. So we'll try to move Harner Ryan Singh up from Hockey Night in Canada and uh, just try to get him a little earlier in the show. Look at Brett. Sorry, my friends, I'll be better. He's just fired up right off the hop. <laughs> and then he's talking, he's mentioning you. And come on, Duke. He's like, you know. So tonight, uh, Oilers uh, come in with a, a record of uh, 34, 20, and 2. We were talking about Connor McDavid and how well he's played, obviously, this year. He's got a 23-game home point scoring streak, 12 goals, 42 assists over that period of time. In this uh, 12-game segment at Rogers Place, Connor has 8 goals, 25 assists in those 12 games. So right now, he's at 941 points. He he is sniffing around to get to a thousand this year. Twenty eight games played, 
He's basically scoring two points a game. So you can kind of do the math. He's close. Uh, did we have this as an in or out Duke earlier in the year? Would Connor get to 1,000 points? I can't remember. Was it- no, I steered clear of that one because we'd I, – I, it's funny you mentioned that because I was kicking myself. I can't remember. We had a guest on that said it might have been Arda. Arda Ocal from ESPN. That said yeah. he was crunching some numbers and he figured that it was a, it was in the realm of possibility. Yeah. He said it was a long shot, but it was a possibility. And that was before he's gone on this little – like he's been at a two-point a game this clip for a while. This was back in early January, I think. And he this. doesn't care. He he oh. all, he could give a rat's ass about it. He just they, he wants to make sure that the team is prepared, uh, firing and playing the right way down the stretch here. And with a lot, we've talked about this condensed schedule for the Oilers. You know, in the next little bit, you know, after after the game tonight, you got a couple days off, but then you've got really a harder, different kind of weekend schedule. Pittsburgh's out here, and we mentioned that the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, with a win in Vancouver last night, 4-3 in overtime. Every It's like Boston. Whenever Boston seems to come out west for this road trip, the Bruins play well. They've been in, I think the Bruins have been in overtime every game here, but every time Pittsburgh comes out west, for whatever reason, the Penguins seem to have a pretty darn good western road trip. So the Oilers go to Seattle, and that's an afternoon game on uh, Saturday afternoon. So they go to Seattle and play the the crack in there, but then come back and play a back-to-back against Pittsburgh. So you would think, so Stu Skinner's going to play tonight. He would probably give way, I would think. We'll see. You know, it depends. Maybe, maybe Skinner plays in Seattle and then... And then uh, Cal Pickard plays here, but I would think that Cal Pickard will play in Seattle and then Stuart Skinner plays back here against uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins on uh, Sunday. Hmm. Yes, here's Matt text in at one 1440 It's funny, TSN, Hayes, O-Dog, saying last night that Connor won't even be a top three trophy guy. <laughs> and he still might win the Art Ross. They keep saying he hasn't scored in leader score. He's basically two points a game. It's a joke. Connor needs to beat everybody by 40 points to win another heart. Well, those guys on that show are so Toronto tilted. It's not even funny. And it's funny. I, I, was, I was watching, uh, I think Hayes got into it with Button the other day. And they were talking about what the Leafs need and this and that and where the Oilers stack up. Those those guys, that show is so Maple Leafs tilted. And, you know, it's the drive it's the drive show in Toronto. That's the way it should be, I guess. But it's, then just leave it out there. I don't want to see it out here. I don't know, Duke, what do you, do you watch that show or, or anything? Oh, he's good. Duke, Duke's got a sneeze coming. I was just about to sneeze. Uh, but th- <laughs> thankfully, it's passed. Uh, no, God. no, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I see everything across the, the social media yeah. platforms, of course, uh, following the the general TSN accounts for, for you know, the sake of news. And, and um, I, I really enjoy what a lot of their contributors have to say on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, they have lots of great guests on at SportsCenter, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I, I don't necessarily, like, I don't listen to, to Overdrive or anything because, and like, I'll be frank. People in Toronto that uh, are Leafs fans, I don't really expect them to to listen to us. No, the whole why, time. why would they? But yeah, they are very heavily tilted. It's just the fact that we see it out here on when you know when they throw it on one of the five channels, 
And what's even worse is when they put it on more than one channel. It's dumb as well. Uh, Matt and LaDuke said Jacob Markstrom got his fifth assist last night. Uh, that means Connor Brown and Markstrom have the same number of points so far this year. Ooh, yikes. Yes, uh, he did. Well, that, remember when we had uh, Grant Fuhr on and he had the big uh, contest going on with Dave Semenko, Duke? He was talking about uh, Semenko saying, lay off, lay off, Fuerzy, lay off, man. You're catching me in the standings. Stair Farmer comes in. Good morning, boys. Go orders, go. Have a great show. Uh, Brett from Stony Plain thing. I think McLennan is all right. Yes. I. You know, I agree with you. Uh, he's the color guy for the sense, so he's a little less biased. I watch it after work from time to time, and they have their moments. I'll give you that one. Yes, I think um, I think Noodles is a little, out of all, Noodles is the least uh, Maple Leafs biased, and he is, uh, he sees it from a bigger picture. Being from out here, he sees the whole picture. I think when you are um, kind of cooking and percolating in one media market for your you know, or, or what you do, that's when you come across as being kind of oblivious to what's going on. And I think, I think Oiler fans, Flame fans, Canuck fans, they kind of, they, they go, what are you guys talking about when they start talking about stuff out here? Because they don't really know uh, exactly what's going on. They're, they're, they're so Leafs focused. one 401 We got a busy show coming up again. We've got, we're going to maybe go double barrel in the studio. Chris Dingman is going to come in with uh, David Schlemko. Of course, David Schlemko, our co-host on Wednesdays for Cougar Paint and Collision from 9 to 11, will be uh, interesting to see. I mean, Chris Dingman's probably one of the funniest things going. <laughs> he's one of the funniest guys going. He can really spin a yarn. He's got great tail. Two-time Stanley Cup champion in Colorado, in Tampa Bay. Uh, he comes out to a lot of the alumni skates. His kids are in hockey. Uh, he was uh, the reason I kind of called him uh, was at the Oilers game the other night. They had it was media a military appreciation night, and on the jumbotron they had uh, the Oilers do this thing called Soldier On, and they have camps going on. And there was a, a good shot with uh, Dinger and uh, and Benny Scrivens. So I don't know, I'll talk to. Dinger and see if he wants to come on and take her from there. So uh, Chris Dingman will come uh, in studio with us about 9.15, uh, We'll spend, you know, a good half hour talking things over with David Schlemko. The two of them would have a, a fair bit. Uh, a little bit, I think Dinger's, uh, what would he be, about eight years, nine years older than uh, Schlemmer. So it'll be an interesting conversation for sure. Uh, coming up uh, off the hop, though, at uh, 7.25, we'll got uh, just a couple minutes later, will be Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff. Uh, hey, Duke, have you seen, there was a uh, Matt Larkin and, of course, Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff. They were kind of running through some projections, I guess you could say, for the Four Nations Cup, did you have a look at those? That's that's a few weeks ago now. I've been, I've been, yeah, yeah. I, I've kind of, been, I haven't had a chance to sit down and look them all at once, but I've been working my way through them. There, couple, a uh, couple of interesting choices. Yeah, and I mean, it's so tough today's day and age. Like, it's, it's not like it used to be, where it was like cut and dry for some of these. Even you know, I mean, the Four Nations Cup, of course, holding um, as the name implies, just the mm-hmm. kind of four biggest countries. But I was just looking at the Canadian one that was a while back, but because. One of them, I can't remember who had them on. Had them on was Darnell Nurse. I think both guys had Evan Bouchard on, and these are just projections. The, there's probably eight D men, and there's probably 
oh, I don't know, there's 14 forwards probably. So things get whittled down in that sense. So um, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. A lot of people, you know, and we mentioned this the other day, Duke, that when Darnell Nurse's name gets brought up, they're going, no way, no way, no way. But believe you me, he's he's in the mix. He's in the mix as far as being, you know, a seven-ish kind of in that in that area. He is in the mix, and it depends on guys that are getting older in the tooth. That would be guys like Drew Doughty. It would be a guy like maybe Alex Petrangelo. Where are they next year? We'll see. Uh, 8 o'clock, Mark Spector will uh, guest with us from uh, Roger Sportsnet. It is our daily 8 o'clock contributor. Speck always uh, in at 8 o'clock uh, for Booster Juice. Ben Pope uh, will check in at uh, 8.20. Chicago Sun-Times and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Chicago, interesting in that sense where, you know, Connor Bedard has basically been the show, but they had a wild game with Detroit Patrick Kane comes back. What would it have been like to be in that building? Uh, ben Pope will uh, tell us all about it. And that was a Sunday game in Chicago to see uh, Chris Chelios in the jersey retirement and then to see Patrick Kane score the overtime winner. Absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, Hunter uh, Ryan Singh has just uh, texted me, and I'm going to have a quick look here. 8.40, so... Harner Ryan Singh will guess with us at 8.40. We'll move him up because it's, as he just said, it's the safest bet, uh, the Oilers. So what happens on a game day like this? So the Oilers will have a very, very optional skate in the morning. The media will go into the Hall of Fame room or maybe just outside the Oilers locker room today and basically... The general media will talk to Chris Knobloch. And then what happens after that is, so Harner Ryan Singh and Louis DeBrusque will move to the side a little bit with Chris Knobloch, along with, I guess it would be Bob Stoffer today, and then uh, Jack Michaels will come back to do uh, the radio broadcast on 630 Ched. So those four will kind of, you know, they shoot the breeze a little bit. The coach gives them, you know, five, ten minutes. So what happened is we had Harner Ryan on later. And uh, as I said, he shot me off a text and said, because of the morning skate moving up, game time moving up, and everything else, uh, can we do it a little bit earlier? And there you have it. So uh, that's all coming up uh, on the Kevin Carey Show this morning. When we come back, Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff will be our guest. We'll get to a few of our a uh, few of your texts because Matt will be with us at about seven twenty-five. But we'll uh, we'll uh, do a few texts when we come back. Kevin Carey Show Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Also forgot to mention it, uh, Duke, off the top, uh, the golden goal today, fourteen years ago. Sidney Crosby. Do you know where you were, Duke? You had been what fifteen years old, fourteen. I was. Uh Pulling in to the Stetler <laughs> Rec Center parking lot. They have a watch party? Listening, no, like we had a game that day, like minor hockey game. Um, listening to it on the radio. And I, I was with uh, like one of my best buddy and his parents for the trip. And uh, we were, I even more specifically remember turning onto Highway 21 off the, the Delburn Highway and saying, what happens if they tie it? <laughs> because I was not, uh, not, sure of the overtime rules and stuff and mm-hmm. chance martin my uh my best friend's dad international auctioneer champion really oh yeah big deal um he was so mad at me 
because, <laughs> because I asked. Just an honest question. Just yeah, curious. they cut the gold medals in half. Well, I, I was like, I was like, does it go to a shootout? Yada all stuff. So, but uh, but literally, as we pulled into the parking lot, we're like ready for like the next break to jump out and run inside because they had TVs, a new building, mm-hmm. so TVs and stuff. But then we uh, we listened to the call via via radio. So, pretty special. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure our texters will let us know where they were. 14 years ago, 2010, Vancouver Olympics, Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. one 1440 where were you? To be honest with you, it was a bad goal by Ryan Miller. Terrible goal. Jerome McGinley, St. Albert's Jerome McGinley got the assist. And if you, the play almost didn't happen because it was sort of a, in the corner, the referee, I can't remember who it was, but he was uh, stumbling and fumbling and bumbling and kicking things in the corner and I don't know if he kind of running interference is the wrong word, but he was in the way. How's that sound? And he was almost in the way for for Crosby and Aginla to kind of. It wasn't really a cycle, but it was just a little bit of uh, you know, you know, puck possession, trying to get the puck going in the corner, and then coming out Aginla sends off the, the quick little pass and really sharp angle goal by uh, Sidney Crosby, Canada. Over the United States. Gold medal game, 2010. Uh, time now for our puck report. We're going to ask our next guest that question as well. Our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. You can visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome in Matt Larkin from the Daily Face-Off. Matt, we were just saying, uh, talking about the uh, golden goal, and welcome to Sports 1440. First, thanks for coming on. Oh, Kevin, thanks for having me, and thanks for the nice uh, trip down memory lane. Yeah. Certainly a where-were-you type of moment, wasn't it? Yeah, so I kind of, I just asked the Duke where he was, so where were you, and what do you remember about 14 years ago today? Oh, my goodness, what don't I remember? <laughs> uh, I was at the James Joyce Pub in downtown Toronto. Oh, I had a friend who went to the bathroom during overtime, and I was furious. I yelled at him. I said, how dare you go to the bathroom during overtime? During the aftermath, there were people pouring beer from balconies uh, wow. down onto the street and people were running underneath catching sips uh, in their mouths. So it, it looked like Bourbon Street in New Orleans <laughs> down there. And I do remember seeing a stranger, a complete stranger, a, a big, big guy. And I just pointed at him. I ran at him and he just knew what to do. He caught me in a hug and just spun me like we were uh, a figure skating duo. So yes, it, it, long story short, I remember a lot about that day. <laughs> did, did your buddy see it or was he in the bathroom still? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he made it out. Luckily, luckily, cause I, I, if I remember correctly, the goal, it wasn't right at the start of OT. Yeah. At least uh, there was enough time for my friend Sean to make it out, so I, I forgave him. I think, yeah, the goal was with about just over 12 minutes left in, in overtime. So, But, I mean, everyone, yeah, I, well, you know, pins and needles. I mean, you're watching it like every little, as soon as the, you get the puck out of your own end, everyone exhales. As soon as you get it in, you think you got a scoring chance. That's how it was. It was just, ugh. Still gives you chills. It really does. And I, I remember uh, on the American side, Zach Parise terrified me. Because uh, it's fun, right? When you're a reporter, you, when it's international, you can sort of put your concern about biases aside. You're allowed to be a fan of your own country, I think. It's a little different. And, uh, you know, so I had a rooted interest in, yeah. in Canada. But I remember being terrified of Zach Parise, maybe the best I've ever seen him play. Well, he was a great player. And uh, you think about... 
you know, you go back to 98 and that's the thing everyone was talking, you know, you, you're, you're looking 98, but then Salt Lake was obviously great. And uh, in Italy, it didn't work out. And, you know, Canada hosting and Vancouver was going bananas. The whole city was, well, the whole country was bursting at the seams, but Vancouver was just, just absolutely, absolutely crazy. Uh, were, you, were you at the Leafs uh, Vegas game last night? I was, sir, yeah. Yeah. So wh- what did you make of uh, what you saw? Uh, Leafs had a good run going, but uh, Vegas uh, wins it 6-2. to two. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I, I did call this one as a, as a classic trap game setup. I did tweet before. I said, hammer that bet on Vegas. Uh, Leafs riding that high, seven-game winning streak, uh, facing a depleted Golden Knights team without Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, and, and the Leafs had beaten that Vegas team pretty badly. It just felt like, the classic setup of, you know, dog days of winter, late February, and you're hot, you just beat this team, you look past them. And I think that's what happened. I thought it was a bit of a sleepy effort by the Leafs, and uh, I expected them to lose that game. Did. Matt Larkin with us uh, from the Daily Faceoff on uh, the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, in particular, what did you think of uh, just the, the, the play of the Leafs kind of stars last night and they were a little bit off it seemed or or was it just one of the, again one of those games where you know you come back after a trip pretty successful and 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 things like that but what did you make i guess the higher end players of the leafs yeah i thought it was a bit of a quiet night um what i saw i call them hero passes so it, it, to me and i also said that these are the types of plays you see in late february i thought a lot of the leafs top players were just attempting those long kind of lazy cross-ice passes trying to thread a needle and rather than just moving their feet and getting to the net hard. And that just to me is a sign of fatigue and just kind of settling into this phase of the season where you're starting to think, okay, our playoff spot's looking pretty comfortable, mm-hmm. and you just, you just get caught looking ahead. I, I think the Leafs, their new second line of Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi and Willie Nylander was probably the best out there. They've been the most noticeable for the last couple games. But overall, uh, I don't think it was the best night for the Matthews-Marner line. I, I don't think it was John Tavares' best night either. I thought he made a few uncharacteristic uh, turnovers. And uh, it's kind of weird. It's a weird feeling to see him on the third line. But it sort of feels like it wouldn't be the worst idea if you can spread out your talent. Mm-hmm. A lot of the best cup contenders, they really do roll three legitimate lines. Hey, Matt, what do you think of Detroit now? So the, the Wings with six wins in a row, just two points back are the Leafs who have a game in hand. But do you think that this... I guess, third spot, if you want to call it that, in the Atlantic, uh, as long as uh, Florida and Boston continue to take care of business. Is this third spot in the Atlantic up for grabs uh, all the way down the stretch? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked me, Kevin, because I was talking about Detroit uh, last night at the game, just to whoever would listen, and they're a really confounding team to me. Uh, I'm not very threatened by this team, uh, and I wouldn't be. this would be the team I would be wanting to play if I was anyone else in the East, because if you look at the metrics of Detroit, the advanced metrics, they are in line with teams like Chicago and San Jose. The Red Wings at five on five are one of the worst teams in the entire league. They bleed scoring chances. They don't generate very many scoring chances. They're just not actually that good of a team. And I don't really understand how they're winning these games. I think obviously their skill level is higher than, than it's been uh, at any other point in the Eisman era. He's added a lot of veteran talents. So I, I get that they're a competitive team and it does feel like they're going to make the playoffs, but I truly believe they're not as good as their record, and eventually just their tendencies are going to come back to bite them. They're mm-hmm. just a team that the puck's in the other team's end most of the time. I don't understand how Detroit's winning this many games. You know, their goal differential is quite similar to the Leafs uh, when you look at it. Sometimes, you know, and I watched Detroit here quite closely, and they gave up a, 
you know, they could have beaten the Oilers quite easily. They had several chances in the second period when they came in here and the Oilers wiped them out in the third period. But it's almost like Detroit, if they are, are humming and they are creating opportunities, they are a team that is right at the highest of the uh, top of the heap. But on the opposite, I agree with you, when teams are in their end, I don't think it's almost like they're they're one of the lowest teams at the bottom of the pile. They're a tough team to figure out. You're right. Yeah, they are. And well, often those teams are, are boosted by goaltending. And we've seen, you know, Alex Lyon, of course, has been on a, a bit of a heater for much of the season. So I think that's been a key factor in in their success. But the question is, is it sustainable? It's really hard to say. And yeah, it, it, among those bubble teams in the East, a lot of them are flawed. And that includes the Leafs. I think the Leafs are at least. They're, they're great at generating chances. They give up a lot of chances as well. They've mm-hmm. progressed a lot defensively. But Detroit really confuses me because they're not particularly good at either. They're not even generating much offense at 5-on-5, five five, but the pucks are just going in. So to me, I feel like they're getting a nice surge of, of luck in their favor, and that's not necessarily a sustainable model. Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Well, I guess we're nine days away to the trade deadline. Uh, Matt, do you, do you think more things will happen at the very end on, you know, like Thursday, Friday of next week? Or are we going to see a little bit of movement here creeping into the weekend? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Because last year we were kind of spoiled. We had the Tarasenko trade a few weeks out. We had Ryan O'Reilly. We had Bo Horvat early as well. So this year it seems like everything is going to be condemned during this home stretch, aside from the two trades that happened uh, to start with Lincoln and Ronahan. So it is shaping up to be, I think, a busier actual deadline day. Uh, but again, we're still nine days up. I can change. But that said, I do see some movement in the next couple of days, just out of desperation, mm-hmm. especially in the Western Conference. You look at, A, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're always an aggressive team. You have Mark Stone out now. You still have Jack Eichel out. Mark Stone probably going to get shifted over to LTIR, especially if Eichel comes off. So we know Vegas is going to have a lot of money to play with. They're going to be a team I think we can expect to chase one of the higher-end forwards, whether it's Jake Gensel, Pavel Buknevich. And the other team that I think suddenly is a player to watch, uh, the Los Angeles Kings, because it sounds like Adrian Kempe, a really important part of their top six forward group, could be going on long-term injured reserve as well. And this is a team that cannot miss the playoffs. I think their expectations are too high after that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade in the summer. They're supposed to be improving, not regressing. And I expect Rob Blake to get aggressive and search for a marquee replacement if he thinks it's going to be without Adrian Kempe for the foreseeable future. So I think those injuries, those Mm -hmm. two teams could be the teams that sort of uh, get those dominoes moving. And I wouldn't be surprised to see movement in the next couple of days. Do you think Pavel Buchnevich has a really good shot out of leaving St. Louis? Do you think teams are really, really interested in him despite 5'8 on his contract next year? I think so, yes. And you're giving me a chance for a free plug. There you go. Story uh, (laughs) This morning on Daily Faceoff, six teams to look at as possible suitors for Pavel Buknevich. And I do think that there will be plenty of offers for him because if you compare him, him, let's say, to Jake Gensel, who is, I think, the consensus top forward available, do you want to go for Gensel or do you want that extra year that you get with Buknevich, which is kind of nice, right? You get a two-year rental and 5.8, you know, it's it's a reasonable price tag, but I think he's justified that price. I think he's been more like a seven or eight million dollar player uh, in the last few years years of St. Louis. If you look at his points per game, he's right about a point per game. He's ahead of guys like Mark Shifley or Bad Marchand. So I think Bugnevich is one of the more underrated forwards in the league. And just given how kind of dry the market is, there aren't too many impact players out there. Uh, if I were a contender, I would be kicking the tires on Buknevich. Mm-hmm. 
Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Matt, in the last little while, you guys have had uh, yourself and and, uh, and Stephen Ellis have kind of looked at projections for next year's Four Nations Cup. Uh, you know, and I can't remember if you had him on or Stephen had him on on the Canadian roster, Darnell Nurse. Uh, as a somewhere in the seven ranked defenseman kind of thing, uh, just your thoughts on that, and uh, just clarify for that for for me and our listeners because I I wasn't sure if it was you or Stephen that had him on his projected roster. Yes, it was me. Okay, uh, and uh, I was trying to break some ties. So if you look at Canada, obviously their forward group is going to be elite, and their decor to me is a little bit more in flux. So I think you keep that top pair of Devontae's and Kale McCarr, you just carry them right over from Colorado, I think Noah Dobson has really forced the issue, and now he's very much in the mix. I think Evan Bouchard as well. But uh, other than that, I think there are many different ways you could go. Maybe Shea Theodore, if he's healthy, Josh Morrissey, even someone like Thomas Harley is really starting yeah. to look good. And again, a year from now, the Four Nations face-off, you never know if he's suddenly in the mix. You have Morgan Riley. But I really like to visualize it. I think it's a really fun exercise. So mm-hmm. I'm really picturing the games, and I thought, oh, looking at this group, I need a little more snarl. I need someone to keep people honest if they're cruising to the front of the net. And to me, that's how I break that tie. Darnell Nurse, I think you could easily make a case for someone else, but um, I just wanted some more physicality. So that's why I have him. I had him on my third pair. Right. And and some guys like uh, Drew Doughty, Alex Petrangelo, and we were talking about this off the top, just maybe, you know, advancing a little bit in years and a lot, a lot of miles on the tires too. Exactly, right? So I think it's time you're going to see some turnover, especially when you're looking ahead an extra year. And that same, the same thing applies to even a player like Steven Stamkos. Could he be sur- surpassed by mm-hmm. someone else between now and then? And on the American side, I actually left Patrick Kane and Joe Pavelski off my team because there are just too many young players emerging. It's, it's a young man's game. And I, I do agree that there are certain names that were stalwarts for so long that might be on the outs, especially a year from now. And then also looking ahead two years to the yeah. Olympics. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating, um, you know, mathematical equation when you look at everybody. Would you put Connor McDavid and uh, Nathan McKinnon on the same line? I would. I just want to see it happen. <laughs> yes, you know. Yes. So I did have them in my projected roster. I had Zach Hyman on the first line as well, just to keep that chemistry going. And then <laughs> I had Nathan McKinnon on the right wing because Canada has such an embarrassment of riches at center. Yeah. Anyways, it's not like you need McKinnon winning faceoffs, that kind of thing. I think you can unleash him and just the speed you can have out there. I just want to see it once in my lifetime. Those two <laughs> making some sweet magic in a best on best event. Yeah, it would be, don't blink. How's that sound? Exactly. And I, I know we're not going to get to see a three on three, but just I, I'm just envisioning, imagine the two of them kill McCarr yeah. on the ice together. It'd pretty, be, pretty yeah, bizarre world. What's uh, what's shaking on daily face off here in the next little bit? I assume that you and, uh, and Frank and, and uh, Stephen will be kind of focusing on the next nine days trade deadline stuff. Yes, precisely. So we are, uh, I think now we're 51 days into our 60-day countdown. So for the second year in a row, we were promising at least one feature every day that's completely trade deadline focused. We're keeping that going. So right now we have a look at Buknevich on the site. Tomorrow we're going to have an updated list, list uh, the trade targets board, everyone's favorite from Frank. So we're going to keep that coverage going and, of course, keeping tabs on everything else that's happening in the league. Yeah, like Frank should really do something. He's not doing enough or he's not busy, is he? <laughs> I don't know how he sleeps. I guess he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't. You know, that's right. And even like with the time, you know, like the the time zone change, and there'll be a late game out here. And I'll say, you know, when he comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, he comes on every every Tuesday, Thursday, day twenty. Hey, Frank, did you watch? Uh, you know, I mean, was the uh, I think it was an eight 
forty start here the, with with Chicago uh, with Boston. Sorry, eight forty start. Oh no, I I was up. I was watching it. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just sleeps with a giant wall, like a video board, where he just can see all, like a, like some kind of supervillain. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how he does. It. Yeah, he has a. He's got a big staff. He's got like everyone brings in the Coles notes version to him in the morning and say this is what happened. So it, there's got to be an explanation for it. I don't know. How, it's it's an amazing talent he has for yeah. just seeing all. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> hey Matt, thanks for uh, f- thanks for this. We'll be keeping an eye on things in the next eight nine days because it should be quite busy here on the NHL front. Thanks for this. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. All right, that's Matt Larkin from the Daily Faceoff and our Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Check out FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. When we come back, we'll get to some of your texts about where you were 14 years ago today. The golden goal, Sidney Crosby. Got quite a few coming in. Uh, 1-833-401-1440. How fired up were you? Patriotism at its best, Duke. And they were cut. Look at Duke's given. He's got the the uh, salute out. He's just fired up. So did you again? You were thinking that these it was going to a tie. What happens? And yeah, I, I just didn't know. Like, do they play continuous overtime or did yeah. it go to a shootout? That was that was just where my curiosity was. And at that point, Canada was still leading before the late tying goal. So, so I, I think it was twenty minute overtime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think a shootout, just like Nagano. Nagano, yeah. yeah. So. Thankfully, it didn't come to that. Imagine I, who I, th- I think that would have had a, a, a previous generation of Canadians that were, you know, in the thick of it in 98, probably clenching up a little bit. Kind of thinking if it would have went to a shootout, who would have been the guy left off the list like Gretzky in 98 that everyone would have freaked out on? Yeah, good there's question. a lot. There's I mean, you know, question that, guy like Aginla may, might not have made the oh, list. Oh, yeah, I, I think he'd be very high on the the list of you know first name off type thing. Could right? be, yeah, yeah. So uh, when we come back, we will get to some of your texts. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Top of the hour. It's Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, and then Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun Times, and. Harner Ryan Singh from Hockey Night in Canada at 8.40. Stay with us. It's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 14.40. We'll be right back. 7.40 break. Duke and BA together again. That's probably the seventh time we've heard that one, Duke. What do you think? I mean, we're on a lot of days, Kevin. There's only... 121. Well, he's got to have 120 songs, doesn't he? Yeah, but I'm talking about what's available to me (laughs) in the system and songs that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to play straight from the heart. out. (laughs) Well, no, why not? That's a little too slow. For we haven't it. had Diana for a while to start yeah, talking we'll, about. We'll get that one tomorrow. Yeah, I think I just saw, and I don't know why, but I just saw on Twitter <laughs> Kate Middleton's trending. Oh, oh, I better look. That's, uh, that could be I'll dangerous. Look into it. Uh, John texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Is it also the one year anniversary of the Matthias Ekholm trade? If so, it's a great day for Ken Holland to make a move. And you are correct, John. It is one year ago today where Ken Holland pulled the trigger on the Matthias Ekholm trade for Reed Schaefer, Tyson Berry, first-round draft pick that turned out to be Tanner Melendick, who uh, is playing in the Sask- for the Saskatoon uh, Blades. And the Oilers also got a six-rounder. Uh, Tyson Berry basically... I mean, I wonder if any team would just try to s- snag him somehow... Uh, at the deadline here, he's I don't I, he's a non he's a non factor in Nashville right now. He's not even playing. He's not in the top six. He's 
I think he's only played 30, 35 games. Also, Reed Schaefer down in Milwaukee. Understandably, as a young player, still trying to find his way, Reed Schaefer uh, was the Oilers' first-round pick. Uh, he's a local product, obviously. He's played 46 games for, for Milwaukee this year, four goals, uh, 10 assists. So he's just uh, 20 years old, just turned 20. So obviously a lot of work uh, to try to be a pro for Reed Schaefer moving forward. But boy, oh boy, uh, that's I mean, when you're talking trades, that's probably Ken Holland's number one and Zach Hyman by far the number one signing, and it's not even close. The golden goal. Text coming in, one 1440 Vic chimes in. The golden goal, I was in my living room. I remember Olympic Plaza viewing area jumping when the goal was scored. Um, Ricky in the donut. I was in a bar downtown Playa del Carmen when Canada struck gold, cheering on Team Canada with many other Canadians on vacation amongst a few scared and bewildered Americans, outnumbered nine to one. (laughs) Rain Man says, I was with a group of guys golfing in Phoenix and it was raining, so we watched the game in a bar and, of course, we were the only Canadians there. It was really loud when the uh, U.S. tied it late, but we made them... Pretty quiet in overtime. We bought a round of Molson Canadian and Canadian Club to celebrate. Little CC and water, Duke. Is that uh, on your on your? No, you're uh, no, you're uh, ginger ale. I, I, I go water, uh, or at least maybe ginger pressed. Um, but I, I I like a nice double Ryan water, the little uh, wedge of lime in there. On the rocks or what? Oh yeah, gotta yeah. be on the rocks. See, I don't know if, if I'm gonna have a if I'm gonna drink something like that. I'm pouring a nice bourbon with. And just, I'm drinking it like the boys at Yellowstone drink. That cowboy cool. Yes, let's go. Come on, man. That's how I like my buckskins, my course banquets. Cowboy cool. What? Not Not warm. Right out of the the saddlebag. That's awful. (laughs) Do you ever like, uh, you know, when you're outside at the farm, throw a couple in the stream just to keep them cold after a... Yeah, down at the creek. Yeah, is that Uh, what you do? No, because there aren't any any creeks that are anywhere close to where we are. The, The real treat is... Sometimes, like at the end of a long day, maybe you've been bouncing across the hayfield, uh, raking for the afternoon or something. And then you reach into the seat and you just find like a lone, lone can of uh, the green diesel, Pilsner, old style Pilsner, waiting there for you. And you like put you get it to your hand. And you're like, well, this is far from cold, but uh, it'll be refreshing all the same. I, I'm not kidding, Duke. The next time that I go back to Saski, and you can't buy it in Alberta, I'm going to buy you a case of Calgary. Yeah. And it's, I, it sounds like I have to try it. It's got the buffalo on it, the beautiful horseshoe, Calgary beer, or Bohemian. That's another. I don't think you can get Bow in Alberta. It's a Saskatchewan beer, and so is Calgary, which it makes no sense that you can't buy Calgary in Alberta. Right, right. But it's a, uh, it's a, uh, the taste of Calgary and Bow is a. It's just a little different. How's that sound? They have their own names in Saskatchewan. They're not exactly the most pleasant names, nicknames for the beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Stair Farmer says, I was living in Abbotsford uh, watching the Golden Goal with my in-laws after the when everyone was driving all over town, honking and cheering. We were talking about uh, Darnell Nurse with Matt Larkin. BB says Darnell Nurse, simply idiotic. I'm not, don't sleep on this, BB. 
Keep this is going to happen. You watch; he's going to be very close next year to being on this team when it comes to the Four Nations Cup. Birdie says Detroit is just really good at converting scoring chances. Bad at everything else. Well. Yes and no, because if they would have converted some scoring chances against the Oilers when they were here, they would have defeated the Oilers. They were by far the better team. Everyone talks about how poorly the Oilers played in the second period against the St. Louis Blues. Detroit, that game against Detroit, that was the Oilers' worst period. Detroit was all over the Oilers when they played them here. Uh, Tex, oh, hey, the, I didn't even read this. One. First of all, I got to get Gus in the hood because I know where this is. Gus in the hood. I was in a bar in Dorntosh, Saskatchewan, watching the Golden Goal. Dorntosh is right by Meadow Lake. Been there many times. I've been to that bar a lot. You better be on your toes, Duke, when you're in Dorntosh Bar. That's one of those bars where you go to and you kind of, you sit with your back against the wall. How's that sound? You want to, you got to be sharp. Be on your toes. Uh, King of Fort Nasty says... (laughs) <laughs> Good morning, KK and Duke. A lot of tire talk in that last segment. Well, yeah, because it was brought to you by Fountain Tire King. Miles on the tires, kicking the tires. Uh, kicking the tires before a vehicle purchase is a strange practice. The Duke actually removes the tires off the bead and performs a thorough internal inspection prior to buying. He's on your side today, Duke. As a uh, as a former salesman in the automotive industry myself, uh, the the actual physical <laughs> kicking of tires it is why do the, people do it that? It is one of the most laughable things. Yeah. They come and give it a give a little, and I was like, "Yep, that's a tire." Like, oh. what, what are you what are you accomplishing through this? Well, uh, this, I'm making this, sure it's inflated. I guess. I, I don't know. Oh yeah, that's and you can tell just by a quick little <laughs> quick little nub with the toe. You're like, "Oh yeah, that's sitting right at 36 psi." Yeah. Uh, when we come back, uh, top of the hour, it'll be Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts and treatments were designed for you every Tuesday and Wednesday. So today, roll into Tommy Guns, uh, get a $30 haircut when you mention Sports 1440. That's only at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.